The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. This morning I'd like to invite your attention as we turn to God's Word to Daniel chapter 1. So open your Bibles to Daniel 1 or your Bible app on your electronic device. We are continuing in a series that we just started a couple of weeks ago called Living in Babylon. And uh, one of the things that I've told you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you pretty frequently, is this series is a little different. These sermons are not as standalone as they normally are. And so if you can watch these uh, sermons uh, either live here or online, if you go to Emmanuel's website, and, and stay in order with them, it'll help you tremendously as we just kind of assimilate the biblical information that God wants for us. Now, we're only a couple of weeks in. The first week, we talked about from Revelation 17 that we actually do live in a Babylon. There was an ancient Babylon. There's going to be a future prophetic world system Babylon. But Babylon, uh, biblically defined and described, is any culture that meets that criteria. And in Revelation 17, the criteria is addicted to sexual immorality, uh, passionate about power and control, uh, money and wealth is how they keep score, and the hallmark of Babylon is they, they don't want God telling them what to do. Everybody wants to do what they want to do. They don't want to feel constrained by the design, the plan since creation that God has for us. Last week we talked about the fact that what Babylon is trying to do in every single life of every person is strip you away uh, from the divine creative identity that God has for you. And, and so you are stamped, your soul is stamped with the image of God, and Babylon doesn't want you to know that. Babylon doesn't want you to have that. Babylon will offer a counterfeit identity that every person falls for. Every one of us on the planet, we, we fall for the trick. We fall for the trap. We fall for the, for the demonic lie, and we, we choose to walk away from God. Well, it, it doesn't just end in a counterfeit identity. It actually ends in a broken identity. And every person on this planet, last week I said every billionaire from the richest country, every orphan from the poorest country ends up broken by sin and the choices that we've made as we moved away from God and we've chosen Babylon. So God did the unthinkable. He sent his one and only son to die for us that he might redeem us and restore the divine identity that he planned from the very beginning. And that's what we've discussed so far in our study of the book of Daniel and our study of what it means to live in Babylon. This morning, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to try to answer it, and that is, can you have the blessing of God? If you're a believer and you're living in Babylon, you're living in a culture that does not believe, can you experience the blessing that God has for you when everything in the culture doesn't want God? And the answer to that is yes. And I offer as proof this morning, Daniel. Daniel is a young man who is taken to Babylon and he loves the Lord. Daniel loves the Lord. You're going to read this book. The, the Bible never says one single bad thing about Daniel, ever. Uh, David messed up. Samson messed up. 
All, we can study the lives of so many people. Solomon messed up. Daniel loves God. And he's loved him ever since he was young. And he lives for the Lord. And we discover that it's possible to live for the Lord and know the blessing of God, even though you live right smack dab in the middle of a culture that doesn't want God, a culture that is, that is Babylon. Now, with that in mind, I, 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 I got to give a little precursor to this. I gotta, I, I, unfortunately, I've got I've to gotta give this a context. And the context is not every believer in Babylon experiences the blessing of God. I wish it were so. I wish that every believer, every person who's come to faith in Jesus Christ is also experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God and the blessing of God. But that's not the case. In fact, I'm afraid that there are millions and millions of millions. Uh, some people believe that there's about 2 billion Christians on the planet. 8 billion population, about 2 billion Christians. But many of those, maybe well over half of those, are not experiencing the blessing of God. And, and why would that be? Well, this morning I'm just going to offer you three different categories of Christians who are not experiencing the blessing of God as it relates to Babylon and their experience, here's the first category. There are some believers who find the expectations of holiness too much to bear. It's, it's just too hard for them to choose right and righteousness, and holiness seems too much for them, and, and so they just join in the sins of Babylon. And the, the sins of Babylon are everywhere, are they not? I mean, if ever we lived in a day and age where it was easy to sin, temptation is everywhere, sin will avail itself to you, and you can have it if you want it, and many believers just struggle in choosing holiness. In fact, some just kind of think, well, God will forgive me. And so they, they go on and do whatever they're going to do. Others are like, well, we've got the grace of God. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it carefully. The moment that you're saved... The Bible teaches in that moment, God gives you his spirit. And God's spirit has a name. And it's the Holy Spirit. God, God doesn't call you to salvation that you might live an unholy life. In Romans, Paul says, shall we sin that grace may abound? That doesn't make any sense. No true believer would ever choose that. And yet many just give in and they compromise and they go along to get along. And there are many who really stop choosing holiness because it, it seems so hard in this culture. Now listen very carefully. You, you can't choose disobedience and still have the blessing of God. That doesn't go together. There's an there's a old, old hymn. It says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Faith and obedience go together. The, the Choosing holiness, the whole Romans 5, 6, 7, 8 about sanctification. Sanctification means you're moving in holiness. If you want to be like Jesus, you can't be moving away from holiness. You got to be moving towards the holiness of God. And that's why God gives you his Holy Spirit. There's a second category of believers, I'm talking about believers now, who really are not experiencing the blessing of God in Babylon. And uh, what I discover is that there are some, 
some believers who are so focused on condemning Babylon that they lose the ear of every unbeliever and they have no credibility when it comes to reaching the lost. Now, don't get me wrong, Babylon's easy to condemn. In Revelation 18, the, the sins of Babylon are listed there, and they're, they're terrible. They're despicable. They're, it's, it's easy to, to, to point fingers at Babylon, but, but I want you to know that God reserves for himself the right to condemn. He doesn't give that to you. There's a verse in Scripture repeated a number of times. It says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. What God calls us to, the instruction for us, is to love our neighbor as ourself. The instruction for us is that we might live lives where we are connected to people that don't know the Lord so that they would come to Christ. So, so many of us are praying for our one, and some of you are praying for your one, but your one doesn't even talk to you. You're praying for a son or a daughter or a, or a brother or a sister, and you don't even have relationship with them. They don't like you because you have represented Christ in all the wrong ways. What's really crazy is when someone who doesn't choose holiness themselves condemns unholiness in somebody else. And there's a Bible word for that. It's called hypocrite. And Jesus preaches some pretty harsh sermons about it. But what he calls us to is to share our faith in a loving, caring, likable, winsome, attractive way that people would come to Christ. Some of you, unbelievers don't like you. Listen, listen to what I have to say. I want you to hear it. I, I don't know anybody who was ever out-debated to Christ. I've never met that person. I've never met a person who says, after listening to you, their, your debate points, I've decided that you've showed me the fallacy of my ways, and I choose to believe in Christ. I've never met that person. But I've met dozens and dozens who were loved to Christ. And so this is our, this is our avenue, that we love people to Christ. I know some of you, because you've been a bit judgmental and bitter and condemning, the unbelieving world doesn't like you. And the reason I know that about some of you is believers don't like you either. And if you're not liked by believers, you're not liked by anybody. That isn't what God calls us to. Did you know that one of the qualities of a pastor in the New Testament is that he has a good reputation and he's received by unbelievers? Did you know that? It's one of the requirements of, of pastoring that he has a reputation. He can connect. He, he likes and is liked by unbelievers. And so there are many believers that are just so quick. They just want to see hell come. They want to see fire fall. They're like Jonah who missed the blessing of the greatest recorded revival in the Old Testament because when they turned in repentance and faith to God, he got mad about it. It's, it's, it's like being a believer and someone says, well, what's your spiritual gift? And you go, my spiritual gift is dirty hairy. I just want to say, make my day, punk. That's not what God calls us to. And the one who chooses that doesn't know the blessing of God. There's a third category of believers that I see quite commonly here in Babylon. And this is, a, this is more of a method or a methodology. You see, there are there are some Christians who believe that since Babylon values money and power, they should strive for prosperity and position because then Babylon will listen to their witness when they've made a billion dollars. And it's kind of like, hey, I will, 
I will excel in what Babylon loves, so then Babylon will listen to me. And there's a name for this theologically. It's called health, wealth, and prosperity theology. The idea is I'm going to get so successful, then Babylon will come to me and receive Christ. Except that's not how we receive Christ, is it? Uh, What people really want to know is if God will give me a million dollars, yeah, I'll sign up. But God says, if you'll come to the cross and surrender your life to me, then I'll give you salvation. Those are opposites in every way. And what I've discovered by, with Christians that I know who are just pushing towards money so that in their mind they can use it for the kingdom, they eventually succumb to the temptations of the money and they never arrive at the evangelism that they think they're aiming for. And if that were true, by the way, wouldn't that mean that all of us who are not millionaires, you don't have to raise your hand, I know who you are. All of us who are not millionaires, we'd never be able to share our faith. Well, I want you to think about Daniel. Daniel arrives in Babylon not with position, not with money, not with power. He arrives in Babylon as a 16-year-old slave. He's been taken by Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar thinks he can use him in the state department, in the palace, uh, among the kingly affairs. He's going to send him to the University of Babylon. He's going to learn Chaldean. He's going to learn the ways of the Babylon. He wants to erase his, his Jewish identity. He wants to erase his identity in the one true God, Jehovah. And he wants to make a Babylonian out of him. And I want you to see in Daniel chapter 1 what it is that Daniel does. I want you to see the keys in his life for knowing and experiencing the blessing of God, even though he's right smack dab in the middle of a culture that hates God. I'm in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 8. Daniel has arrived. The king says, okay, you're going to go to the University of Babylon. I'm going to set what you have for your dietary stuff. I'm going to make Babylonians out of you. Daniel does not resist the education. He does not resist the language training. He doesn't resist the idea that he'll serve in the Babylonian State Department one day. But he does resist the fact that he's going to be asked to eat that which God told the Jews not to eat. And so verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And so he asked the chief of eunuchs, and we know his name from the previous paragraph is Ashpenaz. He asked the chief of eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So, Number one, the first key to experiencing the blessing of God, even though you live in a culture that doesn't know God, is is exemplified by Daniel. What did Daniel do? He resolved in his heart not to defile himself. I'll bet that in your everyday, everyday common language conversations that you have with people you work with and neighbors and people you know, I'll bet that you did not hear nor did you use the word defile last week. It's not a word that Babylon uses. and In fact, it's not a concept that Babylon agrees with. And they don't actually believe that anything can defile you. You, you can do whatever you want. This is, this is their, their pull to sexual immorality is, I can do what I want with my body. You do what you want with your body. And you do what's good for you, and I'll do what's good for me. And I won't judge you, and you won't judge me. And, and we'll all live happily ever after. 
But the Bible says that God has a design for you. The creator designed you in certain specific ways. And when you operate outside of that design, they're called commands and rules and precepts and laws. When you operate outside of that, then you can defile yourself. If you choose that which is unholy, you are defiled. And and Daniel decided He didn't want to defile himself. He realized that the spirit within him was a holy spirit. He realized that a call to be like God, a call to be like Jesus is a a call to move forward in holiness. And so he decided he wasn't going to do that. The word here, resolved in his heart, old King James says purposed in his heart, it's the word that means resolute. It it means it, it, it was said in concrete. It wasn't up for compromise. It wasn't up for debate. Too many of us fail in the hour of temptation because we're still flirting with the temptation. I, I, I don't know if I should or I shouldn't. Well, just decide it ahead of time. It's an interesting story when you read the story of Joseph in Genesis. He clearly had decided ahead of time what he would not do with Mrs. Potiphar. And when she grabbed him, he ran for it. He didn't go like, well, should I or should I not? It was not an hour where he debated it. It's not like, okay, let me pray and see if I can get an answer from God. He had already resolved it in his heart. And so resolution is a word that I use commonly is conviction. Conviction isn't something that you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. Conviction keeps you from trouble. And I have convictions. I, actually, I have a bunch of them. Let me just share a couple of them with you. Here's one of them. If a person comes in my house to hurt my wife or my family, I'm going to hurt them first. So you should announce yourself before you come over. It's a conviction of my soul. I, I believe that one of my God-given uh, rights and, and uh, uh, uh Instructions from the Lord is to protect my family. Uh, here's a conviction of my soul. I would fight and die for our country. And, and many millions of Americans share that. And when we think of Independence Day, when we think of Memorial Day, when we think of Veterans Day, we remember those who gave the full measure of devotion. And it's not a matter of having to decide, should I or shouldn't I? It's a conviction. It's already decided in me. It's resolute. Uh, Here's conviction that I have. I spend time with the Lord every day. His word in prayer, confessing my sins, hearing his voice speak to me. I I don't get up in the morning and go, should I spend time with the Lord today or not? Or how busy am I going to be today? Or I'll, I'll see how it goes and maybe later in the day I'll spend time with the Lord. No, I spend time with the Lord every day. It's something that's been resolved in my heart. Those who experience the blessing of God have resolved those things. And that's what we see in Daniel's life. Well, the story continues. It says in verse 9 that God gave Daniel favor and compassion. This is, a, this is, quite, a relation, this is quite a description of this relationship 
the, uh, with Ashpenaz. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. Now, uh, we, we would call this in modern-day language, he's like the master chief in the Navy. He's the highest enlisted rank. He served the king for a long time. He's a trusted servant. He's loyal. The king has entrusted him. Uh, and in, in a sense, it's military uh, type thing. He's entrusted him. And so uh, the chief of eunuchs in verse 10 said to Daniel, he said, uh, uh, man, Daniel, I like you a lot, but I fear the Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and your drink. And why should he see that you are in worse condition He's talking about physically, than the youths of your own age. So you would endanger my head with the king. Daniel, I know you don't want to eat this food, but it's my head we're talking about. And this is not metaphorical. This king could cut off his head. So he says, Daniel, you know, you and I have got to know each other. You've told me about the Lord. I think, just you and me, from what I read about Ashpenaz, I think you're going to meet him in heaven. I, I, I think he's. I think you're going to meet many Babylonians that Daniel led to the Lord. And in the course of the story, you're going to see that. But he doesn't quite know what he should do here. So, so the scripture says that Daniel had favor and compassion with this guy. So here's the second thing about blessing in Babylon. God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the eyes of the chief of the eunuchs. And this, this I think, demonstrates how unbelievers should think of us. If you want to have the blessing of God, then understand that the purpose of God, this is what Jesus said himself. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those that were lost. What has God called you to do? To make disciples of all nations. To love your neighbors yourself. To share that. And, and along the way, to be likable. To be winsome in your personality. You know what it says about Jesus in Luke 2.52? Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and then it says, in favor with God and man. People liked Jesus. Maybe the, the next thing you need to do in terms of being more like Jesus is just be more likable. Maybe it's time that you start thinking how you can serve your neighbors, how you can quit being so selfish, how you can start thinking about eternity. There are people who desperately need Christ and they will spend eternity separate from him unless you reach out. And you can't just reach out in the condemning, bitter, hey, you're going to hell, you better listen to what I have to say. That's not going to work for you. But if people like you, one day they'll come to you and say, you're different from everybody I know. What is it that you have? And you can talk about Jesus. Well, Daniel has that kind of relationship with Ashpenaz. And so Daniel comes up with a plan because he doesn't want his friend Ashpenaz to be in trouble. So he, here's his plan, verse 12. He says, uh, let's do this. Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance and the appearance of the other youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. you just do a little scientific study here. And uh, you deal, when it comes to the end, when it comes to the results, you deal with your servants according to what you see. So, so he listened to them in the matter, and they tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and they were fatter in flesh. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Okay, it doesn't really mean they were fatter. It's an it's a archaic way of saying they were healthier. 
and, and they were more, physically they were stronger is what this phrase means. So they, they had this more than all the other youths that ate the king's food. So verse 16 ends the paragraph. So the steward took away their food and their wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Here's the third thing that I want you to see that produced blessing in Daniel's life. First, we discover that, that Daniel was committed to holiness he was resolved that he wouldn't defile himself. Secondly, he was committed to Ashpenaz, who was an unbelieving Babylonian, and he was committed to that. And thirdly, Daniel was willing to put his faith to the test and live outside the standards of Babylon. When's the last time you put your faith to the test? One of the things that I hate about uh, modern America is that we mostly use faith as a noun. I wouldn't have made it if it weren't for my faith, or my faith is really important to me. The reason that we do that is because when we use the word faith in that way, it's innocuous. It, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't offend anybody. Because when you say, well, my faith means a lot to me, it could be Jesus, it could be Muhammad, it can be Buddha, it can be hugging trees. It can be whatever you want it to be, and nobody gets offended that way. But that's not how the Bible mostly uses faith. The Bible mostly uses faith as a verb, not as a noun, meaning it's an action. Daniel is willing to put his faith in action, and he, and he knows that God will bless it. So since he already knows God will bless it, Ashpenaz doesn't know. So he says, hey, let's do a test. Now, it wasn't a test for Daniel. Daniel already knew what the result would be. He would exercise his faith so that Ashpenaz could see the result. Can your friends, can your neighbors, can your family members see the result of faith in your life? Faith is in action. I could say to you, I have faith that the running board of this Jeep will hold me up. But if I never step on the running board, we don't really know. But if I put my faith into action, this is Eddie's Jeep, I hope I don't break it. If I put my faith into action, then, and because I'm fat, I can do this. Then you can see my faith. That's the way we're supposed to live faith out. That's what it's supposed to look like. And that's the person who experiences the blessing of God. Uh, each week in the Living in Babylon series, uh, at the end, I, I offer this last truth to you. We call it a tab, uh, like, a, like a tab out of a three-ring binder, but it's a truth about Babylon. Listen to the truth this morning. I believe that the Lord's Supper is given to believers in Babylon as a spiritual reset button so that we will pause and resolve not to defile ourselves. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.